everybody so welcome back to my channel this is Amelia Danva and um, I've seen some of the um, I've seen the, uh, the results of the poll some of you have requested that I do a, a video on writing tips however um, I feel that um, I would consider myself an aspiring writer so I would not be in a position or in a place to tell other authors or um, new writers um, on how best to write their pieces and I feel um, that I'm not at that level yet and so what I did what I did instead was actually to sort out um, other more prolific writers writers who have um, written for many many years and published many many books and um, interview them and from these interviews maybe we can tease out some of the um, ways that authors um, hone their craft and also um, what kind of tools do they employ um, when they uh, write and what motivates them to keep going so basically the process the writing process and um, I'm really honored to be able to interview uh, two authors um, one of them is Kel Allen and uh, she's written many many um, sci-fi books and uh, what she deemed uh, <laughs> space operas and um, uh, the other person is Mary and Edwards um, who writes uh, murder mystery novels with a touch of romance so uh, we welcome these two authors and here are their interviews hello everybody so um, we are here with um, KL, and um, so I'm just going to read a short biography um, of the author. So um, she's a very accomplished um, uh, woman, and uh, I, I was very honored. Um, I felt very honored to have her um, in this interview. So she's a member of Rom Vets, a group of military and former military women who write romance. In 2014, she was awarded an honorary lifetime membership to the Atlanta Con Science Fiction Convention for support of the convention. And she also founded Marketing for Romance Writers, um, a very um, supportive group for romance writers. And she's had a long list of accomplishments that have let her uh, talk on her own. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apart from being an author, she's also a graphic artist. And, she writes um, sci-fi, fantasy, space opera, and yeah, basically um, romance novels. So uh, welcome uh, to my YouTube channel and, uh, and this YouTube interview, Kale. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for letting me come talk to you. Yeah, so um, yeah, so uh, it's, it's great um, uh, to, yeah, to have you in here. So, well, we'll just start by by what started you into, you know, what what gets you into writing in the first place. Maybe, yeah. How do you how how do you begin to become an author? I always liked telling stories, even when I was a little girl. And when I would I would hear a story my parents told me at bedtime or something, and then I would want to tell them the story. And I loved it when I saw the look of of from interest on their faces you know yeah. that that captured like they know the story but they wanted to hear it and I loved that I loved 
that feeling of being able to tell them something that would make them happy or excited or whatever. And I just carried that through my life. And for many years, uh, at Christmas, I would write a story for friends. And that would be my Christmas gift to people. Like my family would always get the stuff, but I would write a short story. And sometimes it's two to three pages of very, very short, but it was a labor of love. And I wrote it specifically for them. Um, And then people started telling me, you just have such a gift with words. You should be writing books. And I I always had this interest and I'd written a huge sci-fi novel when I was 18. Honestly, it would never see the light of day. (laughs) It's in a box somewhere, I'm sure. Um, But, you know, I I started to think, well, maybe there's something about this. Maybe I should give this a shot. And so I had always wanted to write, but it was more I wanted to be a storyteller than to be a writer. So when I realized I could combine ability to write along with telling a good story, I was I was on the way. Yeah, and um, I did read. Uh, yeah, and I, I just saw over there that you you mentioned that you had an overactive imagination. <laughs> I think I think I think we all we all we all want to escape from realities at some point in our life, especially the last year or so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, is there any any particular author that inspired you to? Uh, to write uh, is there any particular author that yeah that uh, sort of uh, become your muse well uh, there's a I have a favorite book called Tiot's War and it's by Heather Gladney she mm. just has this beautiful way with words I, it's a joy to read her, her books she only has two and there should be a third one and she's never written it I've been wishing for it since the 80s so it's probably I don't know, maybe it'll happen a miracle, you know. Um, and But the other one was Anne Rice. She wrote um, a number of beautiful books. And then Mary Renault, who wrote The Persian Boy, which was in a series about Alexander the Great. I got it because I was fascinated by Alexander. And I read it and just fell in love with the young hero. And the, um, the thing that about these writers was I wanted to have that same magic. Um, that I could, and Cry to Heaven, which is by Anne Rice, there was, I, I bought the, borrowed the book from the library. And then the, after I finished reading it, I told my sister, I need to go buy this book. She goes, why would you, why would you buy it? You just read it for free. I said, I know, but the music was just so beautiful in this, in this book. Mm-hmm. And she was like, wait a minute, you heard music? <laughs> I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I had, I had heard the music. He was a singer. And she wrote it in such a way that I had that rapturous feeling of listening to beautiful music. And I thought, I want to do that. I need to know how she did that. So I really started studying the craft of writing so that I could do that kind of thing. I wanted to be able to have people walk into my world and feel the dust on their feet when they're out in the desert. I wanted them to be thirsty when the characters were. And so I've devoted myself to learning how to write uh, descriptive passages and characters that are real. Wow. Wow. Actually, um, can you talk um, to us a little bit more about um, your work? Because um, I, I, I see it here in your website. Oh, my God. It's like you created this 
whole world entirely. I think, yeah, I mean, safe space opera is definitely it. And oh my goodness, yeah. How, how do you? How do you? I mean, I don't know. You must you must spend a lot of time creating this world. I mean, and you must be really good at world building as well, because um, yeah. So um. Okay, talk, let's talk about your, uh, uh, your most recent work. Uh, okay, uh, the, I have a book that came out yesterday. Oh, really? So, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's what is the title? Surrender Love. And okay. it, it, Surrender Love, it's a story about an immortal who has spent over 12,000 years alone. I mean, he's with people but there's no one that is really close to his heart. He had had someone and, you know, a relationship with the king and it just, it didn't work. And so for all these thousands of years, he's always looking for someone who can love him back the way he loves. And in this book, he meets that person. And the, uh, the person he meets is this young kin male. He's a, um, their race is very rugged feline type human character and so he's he purrs and he has little cat ears that are so adorable no tail but he has just this ability to get right into what luke is thinking and so the zora one of the abilities he has among his people is that to the kin every emotion has a specific smell so when he smells a certain thing he knows you're lying and Luke has 12,000 years worth of lies to hide. So Zora is immediately aware that there are things missing about this character. But he understands that he's hiding something because there's pain. And he wants to heal that pain. So that is, that is the whole thing behind the story. Um, I, I think the, the blurb says something like the... Only uh, he Absora has a problem with his eyes. He can't see and he has a weak heart and only Luke's immortal blood can heal him, but only Azora's love can heal Luke's heart. Mm, wow. And this is actually part of a series. Yes. Yes, it is. It's the first book in a series, although it's not the first book in that universe. I have another four book series that Luke is in, in. that universe. Uh, that one is that series is called Antonello Brothers, and it's yeah. about two brothers who, and there'll be a third one coming up in a, a future book. But the two brothers, uh, one of them is adopted by Luke, mm. and so it's Luke's story as well as the brothers. So when I wanted to move on and write more about the immortals themselves, I decided to keep the similar title, and I called it. Uh, Antonello Brothers Immortal. Mm. So there, right now there, there's one book out and two more are on pre-order and I have a fourth one in mind. I'm, I'm starting to outline it. Right. And um, so have you always write, have you always written MM romance? Male, male romance? Or is it something that, uh, that just started in, uh, in recent years? It's been around for a while, and my first book was about a, um, a character named Sam, who is half kin, and he's the boy that Luke adopted. Mm -hmm. um, 
and his story, he meets a woman and falls in love. And his half-brother has also falls in love with a kin female and they have their story. And the third brother will also meet a kin. I can, I can say that, but that I can't give away anything else than, than that part. But um, so those were all male-female traditional pairings. But then I kept seeing that Luke, he was more pansexual, to be honest. He, he, it didn't matter to him what the gender of a person was. He would love them for what, who they are and what they were like. And so it, it just didn't make a difference. And the king, uh, Pietas, was the same way. He, they've been around for so many thousands of years that the, the usual morality that people would attach to sex just really didn't apply to them. They had lived so long they'd seen all of it. So it just didn't matter anymore. They, wouldn't, they wanted someone who loved them, and it didn't matter to them who that was. So I write both. I have male-female, I have male-male, and uh, the next book in this series is about the king, and it's more of a bisexual romance. Ooh. So I try to be the way the real world is and just yeah. tell everybody's story. Yeah, and uh, would you would you care to sh uh, share screen or um, show us the, your, the the cover of your most recent work if you have it? Sure, sure, I can do that. Uh, let me just allow you to share screen. Hold on. Okay. Okay. All done. All right. right now. And let's see. I don't know where to go on that view. And I find that, that 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 it's it's very interesting how how yeah I mean I don't know if you're a fan of uh, space operas like Star Wars, but oh uh, yeah. yes, <laughs> definitely. Okay, it says share screen. Yeah, there we go. And I'm going to share one over here. This right now is the blurbs and stuff like that. So Ooh. let me close those out. And go in. And look at that. I mean, we have to talk later about the cosplayer. <laughs> oh, yes. yes I have. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we have to talk about that. Okay, here is the cover of Surrender Love. Let me get the good size one. There we go. That's Surrender Love. Wow. Isn't he gorgeous? This yes, is gorgeous. That is Luke. And then the next book, which is Ring of the Dragon, I'm trying to find a big one here. This is Pietas, who is uh, in this, this is the model is Nick Nitzvedov, who is a Russian cosplayer. And uh, he's, he's gorgeous. Just he is fabulous to work with. If you go to my website, you're going to see him everywhere because yeah. he's the mortal king. So he, he has a, he's in every single book, I think. This is Forever Love. This is Azora's story. It's in the first book, Surrender Love, Luke and Azora get together. Then Ring of the Dragon, Pietas is doing everything he can to make sure Luke and Azora aren't together and that Luke realizes he's the person he should be with still. He should come back to him. And it's mm. through the story, how, what happens and the, and the things that he goes through help him realize where he really fits in Luke's life. And it's not it's amazing, let's put it that way. And then this one is 
Azora has to pass a test that the king sets for him. If he if he uh, passes, mm. then he'll be part of their warrior society, and he really doesn't want to be a part of that. But if he fails, he'll be thrown out away from Luke and everybody he loves. So it's a no-win situation for him. And on top of that, the person doing the test is Pietas, who wants him to fail because he's still in love with Luke. So it's not going to be a fair test at all. And so this book will be how Azora gets through that and what does he do in order to prove himself worthy. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I, have a, I have a short story that's called um, My Heart. This is the cover for it. It's free to people who buy Surrender Love. They, there's a link at the end, and they just oh, sign up to a bonus. It will be emailed. Yeah, it's a bonus. There'll be another one at the end of Ring of the Dragon called Just Desserts uh, and a similar sort of thing. Mm. And it probably will be one at the end of Wherever Love because I like doing that. When somebody reads the book, they always say, is there anything else? Do you have anything else with these characters? So I like <laughs> to give them something they can, they can take home, you know? Yeah. Wow. And, and the book is... The book is on Kindle Unlimited, so anyone who wants to try it that way. Okay. Uh, so it's on Amazon Kindle Unlimited. All right. Right, right now it's on Amazon only. In about six months or so, maybe it'll be on more. Okay, great. 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 We'll take note of that. We'll take note of that. And um, let's talk about, so the main character for this series will be, um, well, actually there are several main characters from what I uh, right. get. Yeah, uh, from what you just said. I mean, Pietas is one of them. And then, um, and would you see a picture of the model I use for Luke? Oh, this, um, this is the model for Luke. Oh, <laughs> he's a nice looking guy, you know. Yeah, just, I looked for a long time to find somebody that really had the kind of face that I would had envisioned. Because he had to not be all smiles all the time. He's a very serious person. And so I found several and I just loved them. And then the cover, he didn't show his face at all. I thought that was just so funny. Mm. <laughs> I worked really hard to find this face. And then, then we were making it. And she said, you know, these books, you really don't put the face on there. It really should just be the body. That's just, and I went, you know, you're right. <laughs> Fine. That's good. Okay. But that's, um, that's Luke. Right. I don't have one for Azor yet. I would like to, but I can't find anybody who has cat ears. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have, probably have to uh, wear yeah. props. They probably have to wear props. Yeah. yeah. And I have to get, see if somebody will cosplay at my cat person for me. That would be fun. Exactly. Exactly. Like you need to find a another cosplayer. Yes. And um, so you started with sci-fi and stuck with sci-fi genre all along. Right? right, I mean, yeah, yeah, you have not foraged into um, contemporary romance, or is there is there any reason why? Well, I do have one contemporary romance. It's a Christmas romance, and it was a big hit on uh, Amazon. It really surprised me. I I just wanted to have something out. I haven't had any books out for a while, and I thought, well, I'll write. This was one I had written as a Christmas present to uh, my friends, and they said, oh, it's so good. You should share this. You should publish it. And so a few years later, I thought, hey, this will help. I'll put that book out. And at least there will be something there. 
And then I saw a tweet about it on, and uh, it was talking about how good the story was. And I couldn't believe that. I was like, really? I didn't even tell anyone I had done it. This was October. because It was for Christmas Brown So I didn't think anybody would even look at it. So mm-hmm. I followed the link to Amazon and it was number seven on Amazon. I about oh. fell out of my chair. <laughs> I was like, okay, you, you write a book and then you promote the book. And it and it, you're lucky, you know, if it gets in the top 100. I didn't do anything with this story. <laughs> it got in the top 10. And it stayed in the top. Hundred for about three months. Really surprising. And but you so, never, that's my you only never, You never thought about writing another contemporary romance novel. Yeah, I thought about it, but it really would be. I all my books are in sci-fi, so the people who read my contemporary don't follow over to my sci-fi, uh, and the sci-fi readers don't follow over. So it would be two completely different audiences. And right now I'm focused mainly on the sci-fi. Yeah. Um, it's, funny, it, it's funny that you say that because I would have uh, sort of uh, thought that romance writers, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an avid romance reader myself and I usually cross uh, sub-genre. Like mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't just read contemporary. I read everything. I read historical. I read, yeah, I read sci-fi romance as well. So mm, I do too. I, I read a lot of things, but Absolute favorite is Regency romance, and mm-hmm. I would, I would probably never write it, but I love reading it. And there's such respect for each other, and they're so careful about being proper. And it just tickles me. I love those stories. Um, <laughs> and and uh, two, I have a book blog called Romances Forever, and I have a lot of Regency writers who come there, um, and I read their stuff. And I, um, Alexa Aston is one, and then Erica Ridley. Um, it just and I've gotten to know them in email back and forth. So it's really a treat when I read something like that, yes. because I know these characters, they've been in other books, but I also know the authors. Yes. Uh, and that's really nice. I get their newsletters and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. But I also like contemporary and my latest kick has been paranormal male, male romance. I, I read mm-hmm. one with a merman, a merfolk as he's kept correcting everyone. And then I read one that was an elfin prince. And I, I like anything that's really a sweet love affair. So, mm. yeah. Cool. And, okay, so, to, okay, tell, tell us whether you, you prefer to write in, uh, in a certain style, sort of like in, in first-person narrative or third-person. Some people write in second-person, but I, I think it's very rare. Um, yeah. Okay. And why do you prefer, why do you prefer writing in first versus third person narrative? I write third person from almost every book. I have one that's first person mm. and it, it really needed to be told that way because if we knew what the other characters knew, the mm. twist and surprise at the end of the story would have just fallen flat. There wouldn't be one. So it had to be all from her point of view and she couldn't know what was going on. So to to keep that suspense for the reader, I stayed in the first person with that story. Um, Almost everything else. That one is called uh, The Last Valgan and it's actually, it's fantasy, but it's in a world that's a sci-fi world and there'll be a sci-fi fantasy crossover uh, book coming for that. Um, The others are all third person because I think you can, if you go into a deep 
point of view with your characters, they can bring the world alive for you because you experience it the way they do. And um, I have a wonderful critique partner who has helped me say, she would go through and read it and she'd say, what's at stake here? What does he think about this? How does he feel when this happened? I'm like, shut up. Just let me have the paper back. (laughs) (laughs) Those kind of reader friends are good, you know? Yes. Thank you. Yes. And uh, yeah, so you, you're, so I guess mostly third person then, because, because I feel like I think you have to be, a, uh, you have to uh, be a more, uh, how do you say, more advanced in your writing career to be able to write in third person um, perspective well. That's what I think. That's what I personally think. Yeah. I've been, I've been published since 2004. Mm. And I, I have just, I'm actually I've lost count which is how ridiculous is that but I've, uh, the book I just released is more than book 20 so I, I've had a lot of experience and I've really focused I spend one day a week studying mm. how to write taking classes doing workshops mm. uh, reading books and things like that and you also I'm in several critique groups so I'm constantly getting um, help to be a better writer and yeah. that, you know, that it makes it so that you try new things and you try. Um, I'm always, I wish I could say, I have got it now. I have learned it all. Mm. <laughs> no, that's never going to happen. But I, I do have a lot more experience now. Yeah. If, if, if there is, um, do you use any software um, at all uh, to help you in your writing process? Any, any, yeah. Um, I like, I have a, a program, I can turn it on for you. It's called, um, it's, what is it called? Yeah, that's a good question. Here we go. This is a software developed by author K.M. Weiland, W-E-I-L-A-N-D. She, her, her book, Creating Character Arcs, was just fabulous. I read that and I bought the workbook. And every time I write a book, I go back to that workbook and I answer the questions that she asks and wow. it helps me understand the characters. And then from there, I, I plot my books. And so from there, I keep going on. So how um, do you, how do you, how do you, um, so this is a uh, sort of a workbook that you purchase from the author's website. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I, this is, I actually bought it on Amazon and um, I think I can show you. It's not outlining your novel. Yes. Uh, it's called character creating character arcs, and then there's a workbook that goes with it. Um, let's see, pretty sure I have it in here. The um, there we go. I hope this is one of them. All right, like she will start out uh, to help you create your premise sentence, which is kind of your your marketing blurb or whatever. Who is the protagonist? Are they ordinary, extraordinary? What's their situation? What's their personal condition? And then there's tons of questions. And if you answer them all about the character, it gives you a much better insight into what you're writing. Uh, so then she'll, she goes through like what your character's goals are and things like that. There's different types of stories. 
uh, everything that there's a, she calls it the thing your character needs, the thing your character believes, the lie your character believes. These are things that are in every story. It's just, she puts them in a slightly different way. Ooh, well, so I, use, I use that a lot. I also use um, Save the Cat, which is, a, a, if you haven't heard of Save the Cat, it's worth looking into. There's a book called Save the Cat Writes a Novel. And if you're a novel writer and you're at all interested in figuring out how to plot a story, mm. grab that book. It's wonderful. Mm, wow. It is wonderful. Yes. And, and, and yeah, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, well, certainly um, I, I think uh, refer uh, our audience to it. And um, yeah, so, I mean, Let's talk about your um, side uh, interests, like being a graphic artist and, and uh, yeah, and even having, you know, cosplays on board. Would you consider yourself an otaku of some sort? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, I've never cosplayed myself. I don't think I, I mean, I've worn, I've worn a cape or something, but it's never been a real cosplay cosplay. But I have a bunch of friends who do. And um on my desktop, I have a picture of Nick that's fed up as Pietas. Oh, you can actually probably see it still. I'm how still do you sort him? How do you how do you find how do you find him? Like he's he's oh, just wait, so gorgeous. Hear, you want to hear the story? It, I was I had a friend who was looking for a picture of an angel, but she wanted one that looked like a warrior. So I don't want one of those pretty women who has her hands clasped, looking up like, oh, help me. You know, so I want a warrior <laughs> angel and I can't find any. So I said, oh, well, I, I've got some, I have some accounts at different places for, you know, photos and stuff because I like to mess with graphic art. So I went and looked. So I put in warrior angel as the search and there were a bunch of different ones and there were some really good ones. And then this picture showed up. Uh, of a guy with long blonde hair and he had only one wing. I was, what in the world? I had no idea at the time that was Sephiroth from uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy. And, but it was Nick portraying him. And when I zoomed in on the picture, it came in right on his face. And I swear it was like Pietas was looking right at me. I just sat there. I couldn't even speak for a minute. <laughs> I was like, I know who you look like now. And, so I started trying to figure out who he was. And oh, it took you actually, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It took three years before I finally figured out where he was and who he was. I felt like I was stalking him, but I was just, I'm such a fan. And when he opened an Instagram account, I was there in a heartbeat. I, and I, he had a, a, what the heck is that? Patreon account. I was the second person to support him. I don't know how many he's got now, but. Wow. Um, he's on Twitter. But Nick is, he is absolutely fabulous. I asked him last year, would he be, would he consider doing another Pietas cosplay as he'd done too? And he wrote back and he said, for you, I would do anything. I am at your service. And I just went, oh, I love this guy. You know, <laughs> he's, so, he's just so sweet. He's Russian, but he speaks English. Um, he says he doesn't speak anything else but cosplay. So, but he's he's just fabulous to work with, and what a treat his girlfriend is his photographer. Oh, so he's the one who took these pictures of him. Um, and when you zoom in on the face, you really see the power of this guy. Uh, I, I, should, yeah. I I could show you some, uh, like this one. 
he's all over he's all over your website yeah i mean look at that face he's he pietas is a major character in my in my books and um nick is just he gets it he gets what the character is about and he can portray him in just about any style um he's like he's like a, a dream come true for for a sci-fi oh, yeah. author i guess look at, look at that face <laughs> i mean oh my god I, I just absolutely love this guy look at this expression yeah that's i'm gonna kill you till you die from it you <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised. That, I'm surprised that he's not actually a model or an actor. I know he should be. I told him so. He said, well, "If he was not in Russia, I might be." But you know, here I don't have any opportunities. And uh, he works uh, as doing website stuff. That's his his job, like not programming, but something similar. And uh, but he's a fabulous. Cosplayer, he does. Oh, well, you should see some of his new stuff. Oh my gosh, it is amazing to watch, and and he's so good. Well, I could talk about Nick all day. I just, I just love him. <laughs> Or Pieta. <laughs> yeah, Pieta. it's really it's Pietas and the fact that he can portray him so beautifully. I mean, I just, you know, I look at that face and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he totally gets it. I asked him. To give me one of those looks that says, "Are you sure you want to do this?" <laughs> That's the look. You know, like, really, you really want to do this? Yeah, like, okay, well, maybe not. Um, and then Pietas has a halberd in one scene from the book *A Stolen Heart*, and he can't put it up, can't lift it up over his shoulders. He has a shoulder, uh, a very old, old shoulder injury that, that makes it so it's hard for him to do that. But he drags it behind him, <clears throat> and in the story, it's on a metal floor, and so it's going, you know, that horrible sound that everybody's cringing, and he just kind of turns and looks at them like, "Sorry, you know, wow. <laughs> he can't. He can't really lift it. He can lift it, but it it hurts. So until he gets it where he needs it to be, he isn't going to. And um, it's it's quite an extraordinary scene." I think you really um, got yourself uh, an actor for your character. Like, basically, you've done your casting. <laughs> you know, all, all it takes is just to get your your book into the big screen. You know, into the big screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On my website, there's a thing. Um, it's the. Oh, it's a video. Let me just go there real quick. Oh, do you want me to um, open it? Because I can share screen as well, but. Oh, yeah, I have, I have, I have your. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, I have your uh, website open as well on my desktop. This is um, this page is the ritual of strength, and it is. Um, oh, Nick. look at that! Like perfect, oh, perfect, <laughs> absolutely perfect. And but the story behind this, he does this ritual in this in this the Bringer of Chaos series, and it's not a. A religious ritual. It's a ritual of personal strength, and so he he has all these things like he uses the different elements: water, fire, and so on, and air. And I wanted to have Nick perform the ritual for me, and we could not we couldn't do a video of it. So, but we did stills, and then I put them together to make this video. 
but I wanted to have someone read it. And he had such a Russian accent, so I loved it, but it wouldn't be Theotas, you know. Yeah. So I, I looked on Fiverr to see if I could find a voice actor. Yeah. And I found one that sounded really good. And I, I hired him and he did the thing. And it just, yeah, you know, it's just something about, I, well, I'm just try one. It wasn't that much money. I'll try one more time. So I got someone else and it was better, but it's still just, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, okay, this is it. I don't care who it is. After this, whatever I'm getting, I'm either using it or I'm going to let my readers decide. <laughs> so I hired this guy. Uh, well, I asked him, you know, if he'd be interested. And he recorded my, what I had said about Pietas for me to be an audition. And oh my God, it was like hearing Pietas's voice that I hear when I write. Oh, wow. I, just was, I got chills. And so when I put this together for the first time and I, I got a chance to see the video and hear the voice, together reading the words from the ritual I cried it was so incredibly moving to me oh, wow. so yeah it, it's about oh I don't know how many minutes about two minutes or three minutes or something mm. and it's just the music is perfect for it and then I had the same thing with a story um, where the, these characters these immortals are called ultras and so I recorded a video of him, of what who the ultras are. And I had Nick uh, in some of the pictures. Mm. And then I had uh, Zach Black, who's the voiceover artist. I had him uh, record the words. Mm. And then we put this music behind it from a group called Dual Horns Limited. They're fabulous. And when the music plays the way it came out it it's it's just unbelievable but both of these videos are on my website um if you click gateway it will take you to the link for both of those they're just my favorites and uh fabulous anyone who wants to know well what's the story what are these stories about watch those two wow uh, the immortals are in almost Piatas is in literally every book except my Christmas romance. It's in every single thing. And you can imagine, I mean, he's the immortal king and he, he's always been a fascination for me. Yeah. I'm sure you couldn't tell, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, and then when I started getting to know the other characters like Luke and, you know, it was just, it was such a, a fun thing to discover this huge world that was around this one character that I found so interesting. Mm. Yes. Every book links to the other books. So they're not necessarily, you don't have to read them all, yes. but if you do, you get this much bigger picture of what's going on. And I'm not even close to being through with that universe. I plan to write more stories. Yeah. And, and yes, so um, you have, you have different universes um, uh, that you, that you've, based your, your different book series on right yes yeah. yes yeah and yes and uh, go ahead <laughs> no, that's okay that's okay and uh, yeah I mean continue <laughs> yeah you go ahead ask the question and I'll be fine <laughs> okay and yeah but it's just that um, I just cannot fathom because I, I can never be a fantasy writer because I, I just have very short attention span and I don't know how people can create such extensive world um do you have maps as well in your books inside your books 
or uh, drawings or uh, diagrams? Yes, I do. And some I have, in fact, when people sign up for my newsletter, they get, uh, they, they get the book lights out, which is how Pietas oh. uh, meet one of the characters. Oh. And it comes with a behind the scenes book, which has photographs and drawings. I oh, commissioned art. I have to sign the- up for your newsletter yeah. now. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> you'll see what I mean. You, you'll get that and you'll, um, and then if you ask to become a citizen of the empire, then you'll get a, a weekly email from the empress herself, which of course it's me. <laughs> but she, oh, I write, wow. uh, I write those as if it's really her talking to you. So she's that in character so cool. the time. And then, um, and each one has a different thing. And throughout it, you will get links to free downloads of other books. There's a whole series of um, quote books that Pietas uh, said. He does one about chaos because he's called the bringer of chaos. Mm. And then one about being about enduring because of what he's had to go through. And uh, I want to do another one of him talking about friendship because of his friend, when he was, he was the enemy of mankind for a thousand years. And he, his people wanted peace and he did not, but they attended these peace talks. And in the peace talks, it was a trick and he was captured and he, he had no choice. He could, if he didn't surrender, they were going to kill his mother and it would be an eternal death. She would never come back. Mm. And he loved her. You know, if anybody that meant anything to him, it was her. So he surrendered and the person who he surrendered to was this human. He didn't even have a name. He didn't have a clue who this was. There were eight people who came in to try to capture him and killed all but one of them. And that one was the one he numbered six. So he always has called him six. Mm. And so the story lights out is how Luke and or Pietas and six met. met. Um, and th- that book uh, has all sorts of drawings and graphics. And the book, when I write the one on friendship, it will be things he learned by being a friend with this human who had honor and realized that what they were doing to him was wrong and tried to protect him. And they never had a human ever try to protect him. So he was surprised. And then when Six really was a friend and they were exiled together um, and Six kept him going kept him sane when he was in prison. And uh, you know the story of Mandela and his guard. I just thought that was so fabulous and what would it be like? And so that was the idea behind Pietas uh, winning over his guard and the guard winning him. Mm, wow. And that is that's in those. So yeah, there's a lot of illustrations. Um, some of it is art I've done. Some is commissioned art, and others are stock art that I have purchased. Mm. And uh, okay, and tell us. Uh, okay, well, I guess I guess um, let's talk uh, more about your journey as an author. Yeah, I mean, you've come a long way. You've published so many books, and. Yeah, I mean, what is what is what would you say is the um, is the most difficult part of being an author? Uh, it's sometimes it it changes, it can change, but 
for me, um, at just sticking with it sometimes. I mean, I've, I'm not a quitter. I've been doing this for a long, long time. Yeah. yeah. When, when I just kind of go, why am I doing this? I'm so tired. <laughs> I just want to go to bed. <laughs> and sometimes you just have to take a nap. That's just it. You know, it's like, I get that know, feeling. Yeah. 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 Um, but there, most of the time I'm able to stick with it. I am not a quitter. And uh, anybody who knows me will tell you that, um, it gets me in trouble sometimes because I sometimes don't know when to quit and I should have quit <laughs> long before, but yeah, you're, you're talking about having a short attention span. Yeah. I, you actually. I, I have a long attention span and I can see big pictures, but mm. I also can see detail. You know, that there's a test to see if you're more right brained or more left brained. Well, mm. I'm right in the middle. And oh, so okay. I'm a very creative right brain thinker and I have the ability to plot and analyze that is very linear and left brain and yes. so I do try to use those particular gifts in my writing and help that help myself you know to you could be the master of, of none you know you could you could be really good at one thing and not good at anything else yeah. I want to be balanced yeah I really would like to be balanced in that. I wish I was ambidextrous. It'd be nice. I guess <laughs> my father was, he could write with both hands and he could write, he'd start in the middle and write the same word, but one was forward and one was backward. Oh, no, wow. And he didn't have to think about it. He just did it. I do not have that ability. <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be pretty cool to have that. Because yes, writing writing something like what you've written, like in uh, in a series, um, particularly, um, is basically a long haul. Yes, so it's, oh, yeah. it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. The good way to put it. Um, mm. There are times when it's a sprint. You've got a short story. I just recently, uh, uh, well, I, the week before this, I mm. was uh, uh, an anthology that I am in came out. And I was really excited about that. And so, but I wrote that short, that story in a, like an afternoon. It was very short. And then uh, I'm just entered into another anthology and it's been accepted. And that is another one that was very quick, very short. When I wrote A, a Romance for Christmas, my little uh, holiday contemporary, I wrote it in about four hours. So sometimes. Really? Wow. Yeah, Sometimes it's just there and other times you're like, Oh my God, why can't I get, this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the book I'm, I'm working on now is the sequel to the book that just came out. And I fought with that book for years because I was trying to make Piotas the villain and he wasn't, mm. but I couldn't figure that out. And it took a while for me to, to study the King and see, okay, why is he not the bad guy? and start looking at things he had done in the past. And it finally dawned on me, he was, the way I'd written the story, I was writing him as this crazy person who, <laughs> you know, was like half sociopath and, and would, you couldn't trust him, but it was a front for what he was really doing. Right. Because all, and I, I was doing it unconsciously. That's a weird thing. It was all unconscious. I hadn't realized what, that that's what I had set him up as. So once I stopped fighting that and went with the real story, 
mm -hmm. the book started flowing. So yeah. Wow. Sometimes you have to listen to your listen to your right brain and just go with it. And you don't really know. You might plot the book and plot the structure of the book, but the characters often say, well, yeah, we're going to do that, but we're going to do it this way. <laughs> and especially if it's Piatas on the screen. Oh my gosh. You never know <laughs> what you're going to end up with. <laughs> yeah. So um, any advice that you could give to budding authors or uh, aspiring writers out there? The first thing I would say is don't let anybody steal your dream. If you really want to write, then, then do it. Mm. Just don't, don't, it helps to tell other people, but when you tell other people and they go, you know, there's no money in that or, you know, and then what are you going to do with that? You're going to be a writer the rest of your life. I mean, you cannot believe some of the negative things you were here. Well, yeah, yeah. I, you're right. You, you do know what I'm talking about. But um, the, the other thing is, as a practicality thing, I would tell them before you even begin to write a book or when you've, before you're ever finished with your book, start a newsletter, uh, study how to do a newsletter. I follow David Gochran. It's G-A-U-G-H-R-A-N. He's yeah. Irish and he has a, this wonderful lilt in his voice. And he talks about marketing for writers and he does everything he tells you, you can get for free. He doesn't sell you his books or sell you a, you know, you take a class and it's an upsell because, well, now you see how good this is. Wouldn't you like to buy this for $3,000? <laughs> I, there are people who do that and that's valid. That's fine. But it's not what he does. And he will say, okay, here's what you should be doing. Here's the book that I wrote that's going to help you understand that. And then you, if you want, there's here these books by other people that would also give you some advice. But he doesn't try to sell you anything. He's not trying to make money off what you're learning. And I really respect that. Yes. So for, um, for a new person, I would say start a newsletter. You cannot believe how critical that is to your success. If you're on Facebook and you've got a really great Facebook group or you're on Twitter and you've got thousands of followers, um, you have a blog, all of those things, any of those platforms can just decide to disappear and you have nobody. Mm. You've, you remember when, uh, what was it? Um, Vine was a big thing and suddenly it was gone. And no people who had thousands of Vine followers, they had no way to reach them. Mm. They were just, on right and so they had to start all over on some other platform or they hopefully had another platform going already but if you have a newsletter that's yours yeah it's your it's your real estate in a sense and if you're sending people to amazon mm. you don't know what they do when they get there mm. and amazon isn't going to tell you who actually did get there Mm. You, you will see sales and stuff, but you won't have that information. And you can look at everything about your readers to see, okay, they're coming in from this story. They like that one. I'm going to make sure I do more of those. Or you recommend a book and everybody clicked on it. And the other book that was in the newsletter, eh, not but two clicks and 50 people clicked on the other one. Okay. They like this kind of story. You really learn a lot because what you need to know as a writer is who are you writing for? And you need to write to them. Yeah. If you have somebody in mind when you're writing and you're telling them a story, it's much more personal. 
it is, it's much more personal. You're also you're telling it for yourself as well, but there's always somebody that you have in mind. Um, I've been working on, well, surrender love. I had this one reader named Joe who would email me periodically and say, when are you ever going to release that book again? It had been out and it was out of print. And, and I would write her back and say, I promise you, I really am going to write it and I'm going to write the sequel. And I've always been saying, but how many years have I, and I went, oh my God, I have to do this if for nobody else but Joe. I'm going to do this for her. And so I sat down and I worked on the book. I finished it. I got it edited. I wrote Ring of the Dragon and it's getting ready to go off to the editor. And now I'm finishing Forever Love. And I, you know, I just, I did it because I knew I had people out there who really wanted to hear this story. And that's, it's not just one person. There's a lot of people. She represents a lot of people. Mm. but it helps for me to have um, someone in mind when I write. And so I have my readers and the newsletter really helps me do that. Yeah. And also um, it, it, it ties back to what you mentioned earlier about um, how readers tend not to cross over genres. So you're saying that, yeah. So when you write your contemporary uh, romance novel, it would have been different when you, you know, from, writing your sci-fi romance it does yes. uh, you will have some people that they don't care what it is that you wrote it they're going to read it um mm -hmm. and that's great those are the, those are amazing people to have in your uh followers you know um okay. but then you also have people who they read like i have some they loved a romance for christmas but when they realized i wrote a uh, uh, sci-fi they just had no interest at all in sci-fi so maybe just a few percent of people followed over from that. And the ones who did were people who either really liked a good story or they liked my style. Mm. And, um, but you, if you're going to develop, if you're going to write all over the place, you're, you will have readers who will follow you in one or two and maybe not in any of the others. So you're really having to build all new audiences all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that problem. Yeah, and um, okay, and uh, I think I think um, unless there is anything else that you'd like to share, yeah, I just yeah. So uh, thank you for uh, for uh, making this a very educative uh, interview, and also um, I think the one of the greatest thing of being an author is um, you know you get to meet other writers and you build a community around your writing and also around your career uh, as an author and uh, you started uh, marketing for romance writers and and I think that's a really great end of all yeah thank you so, yeah yeah Um, in this second segment, we have uh, Mary Ann Edwards, um, author of the Charlie McClung Mysteries. Um, so Mary Ann um, has been writing for a long time and um, she's had, um, written uh, great mystery um, novels. And uh, the first book um, in this series, Brilliant Disguise, was released um, in January 2014 and it was, it was released to, um, to great success. And so uh, we'll welcome uh, Marianne uh, into this interview. Um, hello, Marianne. Hello, Amelia. How are you? 
Uh, great. How are you? How's the weather at your end? <laughs> we have bright sunshine. It's cold, uh, but cold is probably, not, I mean, people up north would probably hit me for saying it's cold. It's in the low 60s, <laughs> but we have bright sunshine. Great. So, um, yeah, so oh, let's, 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 let's talk about how you started becoming an author. How do you, how, how do you, um, how did it all begin? Yeah. Well, I grew, my mother was read all the time and she was always writing poetry and music and songs and things like that. So I just thought that was the thing to do. So I grew up reading everything. Um, I was reading adult fiction when I was 13 or probably younger than that. Wow. So when I read children's books, I went on to my mother's books. Mm. And I, I started out writing poetry and little short stories. Then when uh, my husband and I got married, we joined the drama team at church mm. and we ended up writing all the drama skits and everything. So I, then I turned to writing drama and also acting out in the skits. Oh, then wow. Someone suggested that I turn my um, skits into short stories I would always write the serious stuff. My husband always wrote the funny stuff. So I turned some of them into stories, submitted them to a few magazines, and they were published. Mm. So I started out having short stories published. Then whenever I would read a book, I would say, you know, I could have written this book and I probably could have done a better job. And my husband said, well, then why don't you write that book? So <laughs> my first book was women's fiction called um, Useless Beauty, and it's still sitting on a shelf. I haven't done anything with it. It's still sitting there. Then I decided to write a murder mystery because I love murder mysteries. And I like the traditional murder mysteries, not cozies. Think of like... Um, Midsummer Murder, Caroline Graham, or Anne Peters, or I mean Elizabeth Peters, uh, Amelia Peabody. They're not really, yeah. they're not cozies. So I decided to write a traditional cozy. And the first one called Brilliant Disguise is based on something that happened to my sister. It's, so it's a very personal experience of what went on with my sister. Fortunately, my sister lived. She didn't die. But... Uh -oh. That, that's how the first one started. And it was just going to be a one and done standalone. That was it. Then I'd go into something else. And my reader said, no, you got to write. We want to find out what happens to Charlie and Mary. And you, we've got to find out. So I wrote the second book and introduced Charlie's parents. Charlie McClung is Irish American and his parents are, I think they're second generation um, Irish American, but they have, they still have their little Irish accent so when his parents into introduced them in the second book, people said, well, we want to see their, his parents again. So they ended up in the fourth book. I brought them back. So it's just, I was just giving my readers what they wanted and it's just continued to, you know, book after book after book. And uh, the, I'm, I've written this, the sixth one was released in 2019 I started back at a part-time job, so that kind of cut down into my writing time, and then things mm -hmm. with my father-in-law, and then we decided to sell our house. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things happened, and I'm st still working on the seventh book. I'm probably about a third way finished, so hopefully I'll get it released by Christmas time, and it's called Complex Kid. Oh, and so that's just how it happened. It just kind of snowballed. Yeah, 
but no, I think I think it's great. Um, and um, yeah, well, I mean, we would like to know what happens to your women's fiction as well. We'd love to see it uh, published as well. I mean, yeah. yeah. And yeah, uh, so and that, that, that was your first work, but now you've grown as a writer and maybe you revisit that um, work and then, you know, revamp it and you know, decide to publish it later on. Yeah, that's that's yeah. one of my goals is to bring an app to pull it off the shelf and, re, you know, it'll have to be, you know, rewritten. Um, but that's one of my goals is to have that done. And I was thinking about doing a compilation of my short stories, putting those together and just giving that away, mm. uh, it, you know, put it in a little book and give it away. So that's, that's like another an anthology or, well, I guess it's not an anthology, but a compilation of. Um, yeah. And these, or, these are, it's mm. really, it starts out, these stories start out dark. Mm. Um, my stories, but there, there's a Christian theme to them. Mm. And then it turns into something light and fluffy. So it's like a progression of, going from the darkness into the light short mm. stories. Mm. And um, also um, in terms of the um, uh, authors that have inspired, you mentioned Agatha Christie in, as well. You're a fan of Agatha Christie's works. Is that mm -hmm. right? In your, in yes. your biography, yeah. I'm a fan of hers too. Yeah, I love Agatha Christie and Perry. Caroline Graham, she writes the uh, Midsummer Murder Mysteries. Are you familiar with those? No, not really. Just Agatha. Yeah. And um, let's see. I mean, it's, yeah, those are my three main ones is uh, Agatha Christie, Ann Perry, and Caroline Graham. Those are my three favorites. Yeah, actually, um, I was surprised about what you said earlier that it was, you started out writing as well because it was close to, you know, you started writing um, your first book, which was close to your heart because it actually happened to somebody, somebody in your life. And uh, yeah, so um, in terms of um, what, what do you think is the uh, greatest thing and, and the worst thing about being an author? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your experience as, yeah, yeah, so the, the greatest thing is that I can get all these thoughts that, well, I'm not insane or anything, but I can, <laughs> I see, store, I, when I see people, when I, I'm like sitting in a park and I see people, I start imagining, you know, I wonder what mm -hmm. they're really like. They look like a nice person, but are they really, you know, what's going on in their life? And I just start thinking of things mm -hmm. maybe happening to them that could happen to them. Um, most of my stories are inspired by things that I see on television or read in newspapers or hear on the radio. My, and uh, Tom Petty, for some reason, his songs inspire me uh, tremendously. He's, I, I call him my muse. I, I'm, I'm so sad that he's, he passed away a few years ago. Hmm. My second book, my third book, my fourth book, and my fifth book, book all have Tom Petty the or the titles are from Tom Petty songs oh it's it's yeah so um and Brilliant Disguise was actually a, a snippet that I took from an Elvis Costello song I thought it fit very well for the book mm. so, I think I got off track there so yeah, what, what? it's like getting into um, the head of a mystery writer and basically yeah. you sit there and you actually you know, yeah, you're, pretty, 
you started, you know, fantasizing about what people's private life are like. And <laughs> yeah. And so uh, also, if you make me mad, I can kill you off easily in my books and get away with it. So that's another thing. I know all authors say that murder, me, but it's true. It's true. Yeah. I, and my, my characters, you couldn't say, well, she wrote that about me and she killed me, but I don't do that. I don't write a character exactly like someone that I know. I'll yeah. take uh, bits and pieces bits of pieces. people. Yeah, yeah and put them together. It's kind of like a shadow. I know what I want them to look like. So there's a shadow and it kind of, you know, layer upon layer upon layer until they're finally a human being, well, a fictional human being. So that's how it starts out. Kind of like Frankenstein, kind of like a shadow developing in its layers. So that's how my characters come about, bits and pieces from people that I know. Now the two main characters in my, the two prota main protagonists in my books, hmm. Charlie is, basically my husband and Marion is like a, the best version of Marianne Edwards. She could be, you know, things that I wish I could do for things that I excelled in, which I don't. Yeah. Um, so you get to get it. You see the relationship between my, my husband and I there, cause we've been married 40 plus years and um, we still like each other, <laughs> love each other yeah. very much. So yeah. And it's true. Mm, that's where you get your inspiration from as well yeah. in your everyday lives and yeah and what would okay so you mentioned about um yeah being able to have some control over your characters because after all you know right so you can just you know decide to give them a happy ending or just kill them yes off. <laughs> right so yeah. there's there's power in writing right power yes it is having control over your characters now um in terms of uh, bad experiences being an author can you think of any? So the bad thing is when I want to write, hmm. there's just not, you know, I have to do other things like take <laughs> care of my father-in-law, you know, get him moved and things. It's just finding but, the time to write, trying, you know, trying to yeah. get, you know, and, Same you know, once you're, someone disturbs you, it's like, curses, I can't get back there. So, um, yeah. And, you know, just making sure everything's right. And then when someone doesn't like my stories or I get a bad review. It's like, you know, you, some of the reviews is they're not, I would say most of my bad reviews are not, um, are not helpful yeah. things. Like, well, that would be the definition of a bad review. Mm. Yeah. So like, you know, well, the, uh, the character cried too much. Well, I'm sorry. I cry a lot. Cause I was postmenopausal. I was writing the book. So I, I did a lot of crying. So when she cried, that's when I was crying. So, um, yeah. And my care, another thing, my characters are in their late forties. So if you're not in your late forties or older, then you may not be able to identify with someone going through menopause. So that's, uh, yeah. So when someone said, well, she cries too much, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I cry all the time. I see, you know, so <laughs> You know, there was a reason why she cried all the time, because it does say in the book that she's that she's going through menopause. So uh, with me, I was just very emotional when I was going through menopause. So that's yeah. one. And then someone else, uh, a bad review I got. Um, and they said that Charlie and Marion acted like 17 year olds instead of in their 40s. <laughs> and uh, Well, uh, evidently, you didn't read the book because they are in their 40s. And I'm, I'm, I'll be 63 soon. And my husband and I still act like we're 17 years old. We still go, you know, I'll jump oh on the shop me down through the aisle. So, you know, that's just me. Uh, I write my characters, you know, 
treated my life. And that's just yeah. the way we, we still act like we're, you know, we're, we're old. I got gray hair, but we're still very much young at heart. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, some, like I said, some of the, the hurtful reviews just um, were not helpful because I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you wish, the I mean, one what, that do, was, what do you do with them? You ignore them or you report? I just ignore them because that's their, <laughs> that's, you know, that's their opinion. That's opinion. Yeah. But I just wish they'd, you know, maybe send me an email. So why did you write this character that way? Well, that's the way I am. Oh, and then another one said that yeah. uh, it was, Funny. One character said I that the character. One reviewer said that the characters acted too young. Another one said that we okay. acted like her grandma from Alabama. <laughs> okay, so, so you have very vastly different opinions. Yes, the same characters, right? Yeah, yeah, the same character. One was either too young. The other one says she acted like her old, her eighty-year-old grandma who lives in Alabama. So. I, I don't know where that came from, but like I said, they're welcome to their opinion, but I wish I would hope in the future that people would contact me and ask me, why did you write them that way? Instead of throwing it out there. And um, when, if they asked me, I could explain to them why that character was written a particular way. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, sometimes you have to fight the impulse of replying back <laughs> in a comment <laughs> <laughs> most definitely uh yeah sometimes i just want to fire off of yeah a meeting, you know reply back to theirs but it's like you know what in the end of the day eh, yeah I've got, you know i've got a, a hundred things to do reviews and i've got yeah. two one-star reviews so you know balance it out right <laughs> yeah that's right um would you care to show us um the your book covers I mean, okay. you can, yeah, either um, by sharing your screen or you can show it to us like a physical uh, if you have. Okay, let me see. Now, uh, I've never shared a screen before. So, if so there, can... is, there is a green button if you, if you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see that. Screen. Okay. And I'm going to just let, allow you to do it. Okay. That's it. You're ready to go. Okay. You, whenever you're ready. And yeah, of course. Um, okay. So did, did I do this right? Yeah, that's right. We are seeing your screen right now. And okay. So let me oh, make no, it. No. As in, um, oh, okay. All right. No, because, um, yeah, yeah. Are you showing us a physical copy? Okay. So I think I may have not done my screen sharing right. Sorry about that. Okay. I'll just do it this way. So okay. this, is the cover of Brilliant Disguise the first Whoa. cover? That's the first cover, and this cover actually won an honorable mention in Indie Tale Magazine as uh, one it's of the best. Beautiful. So yeah, it's and the girl who did this one had never designed a cover before ever. Oh and so wow! She was um, very happy that it won. So this was the original cover, and I just had all my covers changed, and this is the cover now. So. You can't really tell it, but there's a, a tree here and it's got like birds are going flying up like this. Yeah. Um, you've got the little dead girl there and then you've got a fence with a tree because the fence played a very important part in this story. Yeah. And it goes, it's got a, a pathway that goes off into the dark. So this is the current cover for this one. <clears throat> my second one, my desktop's really small. That's why I'm having to bend over. So this is the second book, A Good Girl, and you've got a rear view mirror. And in the back here, you can't really see it. There's a church 
and a red tassel. There's the good girl was a girl who was uh, becoming a nun and she was found strangled with this cord around her neck. And one of the, one of the two of the three suspects was her priest, which the church and then a creepy taxi driver. So that's where that comes in. So that's the first cover for this book. And now this is the um, cover now. So you can see there's an armoire in the back and there's a tassel and then the dead girl here because she was found in an armoire that was delivered to Charlie's uh, parents. So that's the second, that's the second book. Oh, wow. And the third book. That's like uh, I just thought to read because um, (laughs) I haven't had time to read your books yet, but um, it sounds really interesting. And I think I have to get onto your newsletter now. Just the... (laughs) Just to, to get updates on or what's what's next. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my newsletter, the like the past year has been really crazy with the COVID-19 and uh, okay. start, I started a part-time job and I, I retired, well, actually I started a part-time job before uh, in 2019. And I, the part-time job I had, I worked at a nonprofit mm-hmm. that helped financially and food insecure families. So I helped the homeless and people who needed help with rent and food utilities and things like that. So it was a very um, emotional draining job, but it was, it was, I mean, it really didn't feel like a job because I got more helping people than I probably helped them, but it it was just, um, but anyway. Yes. Yeah. So my newsletter will start going out once a month again, now that I'm completely retired. So yeah. Wow, that's great. That's great work that you've done last year. And I know a lot of authors share your sentiments in terms of um, how COVID-19 was really hard for them to sit down and write. Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of business and also uh, psychologically. Yeah. Go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and what what would you like to show us next? So this is the third book. Uh, book. Yeah. cruise ship and you can't really see it, but if I turn it up, you can see a skull there. So this is the original And I really like this cover. And since I was changing the rest of them, I had the other ones changed. And I'm not, I'm not real happy with the changed cover. Mm. I mean, I, wish I had in different aspects of it. So this is the original cover and this is the new cover. Um, you can't really see it. Um, there's a, a guy here in the shadows. Mm. The third book took place on a cruise ship and there was a guy that was stalking them or a, a person stalking them on the cruise ship and on land whenever they would get off for a shore excursion there was someone following them Mm. that's where that stalker came from and the fourth book yes my youth tom petty song uh was about a girl it was charlie's uh marion his now wife yeah his friend no one really knew about her past and come to find out she was a stripper in her past and now she's a well-respected Respected businesswoman, so she did not want anybody to find out that she had been a stripper. So her first ex-husband was found dead, and unfortunately, Charlie and his wife Marion found her standing with her bloody chef's knife standing over his body, and he had his throat slit. Oh wow! (laughs) That's where the knife comes from, and this is looks like a stripper in blood. So that that was the sins of my youth. So and that was the original cover. And now this is the new cover. Wow. Woman with a scarf over a net over her eyes. So wow. Better. 
<laughs> they are all gorgeous covers. They're all gorgeous yeah. covers. I, I'm, I'm still going through the covers. So this one uh, is Flirting with Time, another Tom Petty song. It's about a stalker stalking Marion, and they're not sure if it's, it's someone who just likes her and wants to follow her or if he's really out to kill her. So that, and Charlie is desperate trying to find who this person is because they leave little paper hearts everywhere. And actually I set this story up in the third book, even though this is the fifth book, I started setting that story up in the third book when they were on their honeymoon. Oh, so okay. If you, if you start reading my books from, you know, from beginning to end, then you'll catch those paper hearts in that third book because someone asked me she said, I know she said something about paper hearts why did you put those there and I said mm, you guys read the rest of my books to find out <laughs> what paper hearts are for so that's what that is just the time and her going into you know who knows what yeah so this is the new cover it's you can you see a man a man back here his shadow and a woman running away from him so flirting with time yeah so my last book my sixth book yeah um this one actually had uh, four covers, but I only have three of them. So this was the original cover, Good to be King. That's another Tom Petty song. Yeah. That, was the, that was the first cover, the mock-up. And I showed it to several people and they said, oh, so you're writing medieval uh, fiction now. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm writing, it's still Charlie McClane. So well, it looks like, you know, there's a crown <laughs> and it's an old village. I said, well, it's, it's not. It's not. It's it's not. So I had to do away with that cover. And the cover is quite deceiving. And then now, oh, look, it's and changed. Then, and th then it changed again. How deep is the darkness? And the uh, first murder in this one was someone who was drowned. Mm. So that's where arms and the water comes from. Mm. But it looked more like a horror story than a traditional murder. So yeah. I changed from that to? to this. And you can't really see it in the screen, but there's uh, you've got the blue water here and there's a... a man's body floating oh. in the so that's more what it's about and it looks like to me it looks like a, a murder mystery yeah so this is the cover this is what it ended up being was this cover so and that that's all my books that's all yeah. i have and talk, let's talk about your seventh one it's coming up this year yeah yes it's coming up it's called complex kid another tom petty song yeah it's about a um disabled uh, special needs child yeah. who is accused of murder. Mm -hmm. They didn't do the murder, but he says he did because he likes all the attention. He likes, there's a really hot female reporter that's hanging around him and he really likes her and he wants to impress her. Something's floating around. I have cat hair flowing around, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's about, him you know wanting to be famous and popular because he keeps telling everybody i'm going to be a rock star because he's getting so much attention he didn't do it and his parents are desperately trying to get him to tell the truth and he he just won't so it's the progression of in the story of that him charlie charlie knows in his heart that he did not do this murder but he confessed to it he has to investigate but he's also investigating other people who may have done it mm. wow so that's what that one is and so this series basically follows the couple's journey into, you know, investigating mysteries and unraveling mysteries. It sounds yeah. really cool because, and also um, let's, let's, let's now talk about your process. Like how do you sustain writing, uh, you know, so many books in a series with the same characters? It's, it's, 
Like it's, I don't think it's easy. Yeah. Uh, well, for for me, it, it's easy because I uh, the, there's a lot of repeating characters in the book. So you have Charlie and Marion, the two protagonists, the main protagonists. Yeah. Then you've got yeah. Charlie's best friend and Marion's best friend. And you can read each book as a standalone because the, 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 the mystery is solved at the end of each book. But you get mm-hmm. to see the, the growth and the progression of everyone's relationships because there are repeating characters throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really not that hard for me because I like developing the characters. So it's easy for me to show you like the surface level of them in the first book, a little bit more in the third book and you know, for a fifth book, you know, they start, you can see more into their psyche, their personality. And um, you can see how Marion and Charlie grow closer together to each other and with their friends. How long does it take? Mm, how long does it take for you to write a full book, a full length novel? Well, if I'm if I can sit down and write every day, if I'm not pulled away because of other things, I can write a book in three months. And then I have, to have it edited and, you know, get the, the uh, cover. Wow. Yeah, so I, I can do, if, if I'm able to sit down every day and write, well, not Saturday and Sunday, because that's for my husband and I, that's our, our days. So I, I could write a book in three months. Wow. That's of the other books, my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth book all came. I used, I was putting out two a year. And mm. then when I started back to work, um, part time, it went one a year. So, yeah, that's okay. It's it's like we. I think I think the problem with as you mentioned earlier is so finding time, right? Mm-hmm. Finding time yeah. for all the um, our busy life um, to actually sit down and write. But um, I always tell my friends to write because uh, writing is therapeutic, and also um, it's yeah, it's it's a way to channel sort of your um, energy and sort of your uh, inner creatives, you know, selves. Yeah. 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 And like I said, if, if you see, if you, Marion and Charlie are a lot like my husband and I, so mm. Marion, like the first couple of books, she's going through menopause. Uh, she was, um, now this didn't happen to me, but she's a widow and she was a married, married for, you think I'd remember this because I wrote it. She was married for 11 <laughs> years. Her husband, her husband was killed in a plane crash. Right. So they were high school sweethearts. So when he died, she, she felt like she died, that, that she could no longer love anybody. She wouldn't get close to anybody because she couldn't let go of her first husband. And I think it was 11 years later is when she meets Charlie. And there's an instant connection, but she just can't, you know, no, you know, I got to stay faithful to my my husband, my, you know, my dead husband, I have to stay faithful to him because I loved him. I can't love anybody else. Yeah. Her best friend, Joan, she's basically tells her, you know, you got to get over this. He's a dead man. You can't love a dead man. He can't give you what you need. So she finally lets go. And there's a little bit of supernatural, not much, just a little bit of supernatural introduced in the first book where her husband comes to her Mm -hmm. and tells her, you know, you got, you, you, you need to let go of me mm. and he, it's okay for you to love Charlie. It's okay. So she has permission <laughs> from her husband to let her know. And w- when I wrote that scene, I just cried and cried and cried when I wrote that scene. Yeah. Uh, but I, I get, I put myself in each of my characters and I feel their nastiness. I feel their sorrow. I feel their joy. Um, yeah. So I, I really get 
emotionally attached to my characters. And I, you know, that's the way I write. I have to be that character. And it's not hard for me to go in one character and out of another character. And then when I'm done writing, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm me. I'm Marianne. I'm no longer that character. I've heard of some um, like actors who get really involved in their characters and they become that character and they can't let go. And they ended up, you know, going into a deep, dark place they couldn't escape from. Yeah. That problem. I can go in and out of characters. I can feel their darkness. I can feel their evil. And then boom, I'm back into Mary and I'm all happy and joyful. And, you know, so it's very easy for me to go in and out of the characters, but I do have to feel that emotion. Like when in the uh, second book, when the mother lost her only child and, you know, I felt that pain of, even though I don't have children, I (laughs) did have some, I'm not trying to make light of this, but I did have a cat that died and I knew how painful that was. So that brought the pain out for losing a child was that. But yeah, I do. Wow. So this yeah, that's is how I write. Wow, this is your process, and I think, uh, and I think uh, people who are listening to this uh, probably want to pick up your books now because you know it, it's a. I mean, they always say that if if the writer doesn't cry or doesn't doesn't you know feel mm-hmm. you know something while she's writing uh, her piece, then you can't actually you know get anything out of that 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 piece yeah. that she's writing in. You know, and yeah, you have to feel the emotions when you write when you're writing it for your readers to feel the same emotions too. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had, I'm, I think I say 99% of the people who have read my book said, I feel like <laughs> I know those characters. I feel like that's someone I know. I, I, that's like my best friend. That's like my cousin. That's like my sister. That's like my brother. So they, they can identify with the characters in the book and they feel like that's who they know. I even, I was at a book club once. Yeah. I don't, driving at night so my husband took me and one of the it, uh, one of the ladies said oh man I wish I had a Charlie McClung she said does Charlie McClung exist is it somebody you know and they invited my <laughs> husband and I said right there and she and she looked and she goes oh, does he have a brother <laughs> and then she kind of latched on to my Uh-oh. husband I'm very, I'm very comfortable in my relationship with my husband I know he won't ever do anything uh, we're you know to upset me. So she starts, she kind of latches onto my husband. She's following him around and talking to him. And we get in for a group photo and Jeff's standing off to the side. She's, Oh no, come here. You, you got to be in picture. Come stand by me. And so she went and so Jeff stood, you know, kind of like beside me and she was behind Jeff. She started rubbing his arm. (laughs) (laughs) Freaked him out. (laughs) But yeah, so I, I do have people who tell me that the characters remind them of people they know, or they wish they had a best friend like that. So I think I, that that's one thing I'm proud of is that people, um, my characters are believable that people can identify with them. And also, um, I don't know if this is one of the questions you're going to ask, but I'll go ahead and answer it anyway. Mm -hmm. My, um, I do a lot of research. I have some fantastic um, subject matter experts Mm -hmm my like my death scenes wounds and things like that I have uh, I'm friends with a forensic pathologist who works up in New York I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if she runs that department up there but she's pretty high up in that department and I can send her an email and within 30 minutes she'll answer me back like I'll ask her if if I wanted to kill someone with a BB gun could I stick it in their ear and kill them and she goes no but you could stick it up their nose and it would kill them 
or if I wanted someone, you know, what would the autopsy look like? If I, if when they were cut open, what would they find? Would they find this? Would they find that? What would the wounds look like? You know, the guy has his throat slashed. What would the wound look like? How would he feel when he died? You know, what would the death scene look like? And so my, like I said, I do a lot of research. All of my murders are very authentic. They're verified by a forensic pathologist. I'm friends with uh, a poison ex, uh, uh, he's a doctor who specializes in poisons. Mm-hmm. I know someone who is a specialist in allergies, mm-hmm. FBI agent. I have uh, my father-in-law is retired chief of police. Go on and on about all the subject matter experts that I have that um, yeah, that make my ch- crime scenes and my stories factual. Put it that yeah. way. That's the right word, factual. Yeah. And then also, if I'm talking about the weather, so if I say it's July 24th, 1983, mm. I'll research that what was the weather on that day. So that was the weather for that, that day. Extends, you know, to that detail. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then like, Bra- sometimes I'll mention a Braves game because I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. So, you know, Atlanta Braves. Yeah. I will make sure if they're watching a game, who they were playing, who won, and, you know, did they really play that day and who were they playing? So everything... I'm very detailed in trying to get my facts correct in all of my books. Yeah. And, um, okay, so in terms of the um, writing process, do you have any software or any tools that you use to help you write? Yes, I started out using a program called Hemingway, and it was a little clunky because it was like in a beta issue. Uh, so I, okay. I went to started using a pro writing aid and it, it's, it's, it's a good ride. It's a good um, software. And then I went to Grammarly and oh, wow, I love Grammarly because I have a habit of leaving out words and mm-hmm. tenses. I'll like I'm, when I want to say uh, used to, I know it's spelled U-E-S-E-D. Yeah. I would leave off the E, I'd leave the D off or supposed and I'd leave the E-D off, you know, yeah. so I have a bad habit of doing that. Um, yeah. And but leaving out words of my, and, but Grammarly will find all those mistakes. Wow. And okay. It'll also tell me if I'm being too wordy, if my sentences are too much alike. Um, but it's, a, I, I just love Grammarly. It's, it's a, a great, uh, ed, it helps me with my editing as I go along instead of my husband looking at it and go, Oh, what Marianne, I think a monkey wrote this. So, um, yeah. And I'm not a very good self editor. So my husband will, read through it first. So when I did give it to my editor, she won't just go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> through it. But now with the Grammarly, when he reads it, it's like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. so. Has, um, have you ever thought of co-writing? Have you ever thought of co-writing with your husband? We talked about it, hmm. but he would write some, he would write something funny because he's just, he's just a funny guy. I mean, so. Uh, right. And so. The, I'm the yeah. deep dark one. He's a he's a light funny one. <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't really fit, yeah. Unless it's like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we we could, I think, eventually, because we, we could write something, not really a cozy, because he's not a fan of cozies. But I guess it would be cozy like maybe, yeah. Uh, because a true cozy is an amateur sleuth. Uh, mine aren't considered cozies because I have a police detective solving the crimes and but yeah. mine 
are cozy in the fact that there's no graphic violence, no graphic sex, no graphic language. So um, I was not embarrassed for my mother to read my books when she was still alive. So, yeah. Mm, wonderful. And oh, and one, oh, I forgot. I don't know why I forgot this. I had one uh, reader, one of my favorite reviews. He wrote, all I can say about Miss Edwards is that she has a devious mind. And I was, <laughs> yeah, I just love that. <laughs> That's a really good review for a mystery author. Yeah. And um, I see here in your website that you have Brilliant Disguise in, as an audio book. Yes. 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 It, it, I did it out. And can, you, can you tell um, the audience, um, uh, our listeners, um, uh, where can you find the audiobooks? Which platform? So you can go on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, and... Um, there's one more I can't remember. I don't remember where it was. But <laughs> Audible iTunes and uh, uh, Amazon, you can find and them Amazon. there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the rest of the books, I, I'm working on trying to get the second one. Um, unfortunately, the uh, narrator in the first book and I, we couldn't come to an agreement yeah. uh, on it. So I'm trying to find another narrator to do the the rest of the series and I can't really find someone that I, um, I really, um, like, like so far. Uh, cause I'm looking for a particular sound. I mean, the narrator on the first one, he had the sound beautifully, but then in the rest of my books, there's a lot of Irish accents. Ah, okay. Um, so so I'm, I'm looking for someone who can do a, a good Irish accent. And then, accents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I would need someone who has a, a voice that is smooth, mature, and um, draws the reader in. And, and Bruce had that. So, yeah, like I said, unfortunately, you know, we couldn't come to an agreement. But um, so I'm working on that. I eventually want to have all of my books into audio. I went through ACX, Amazon ACX, to do the first book. I may end up going to find a way voices to find um, to do that way. So that way I can get it out to more markets besides Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. And there's one other, one other place. I cannot remember where it is, but those it, are three. Yeah. Names. But here, I would like to say that um, you have it on, oh, this is SoundCloud. Okay. So now, okay. In your website, I mean. Yeah, that's just a, a snippet of the, that's just a sample of yeah. the book on yeah. that SoundCloud. That's all that is. Yeah. Um, so you can see, you can, so people can go there and listen to a clip. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I would like to get it on Chirp so I could price the book the way I want it, you know, because yeah. Amazon, um, if you use ACX, you have to take whatever they price your book at. Mm. So I would I would like to uh, be able to price my book myself and maybe run when it first released, run it on a special for like, you know, $2.99 for the audio book. Mm. But uh, with unfortunately, with Amazon, I can't um, with or Amazon ACX, I can't do that. Yeah. And I, I am an indie author, so I'm responsible for, you know, everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we'll um, our ch YouTube channel would have a, a video coming up next time about uh, turning your books into audiobooks. So if you'd like to, yeah, well, I usually use Find A Way just because I'm outside the United States, actually. And um yeah, so I, we can't we can't actually uh, market our books through ACX. Yeah. 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 
so yeah that and and it was uh, yeah it's okay any any advice you can give to budding authors or aspiring writers out there who're just starting out well i would say you know when you sit down to write that first draft just sit down start writing that first draft your first draft's never going to be your final draft so just sit down <laughs> and get it all on paper even if you you know and then once you, you know, and then sit it aside you know for you know however long a week or a month or whatever then go back to it and when you start reading it you can start fleshing it in you can start changing things and you know improve that uh attend webinars now with the COVID-19 you've got all kinds of webinars that are free popping up listen to podcasts about the craft of writing marketing network oh that's a big thing network with other authors get your you know get your newsletter going get your um website up before your book even comes out you've got to you've got to lay that foundation before your book comes out So, so marketing your book before it's even released Wow, that's that's a really strong advice. So yeah, so even even before your books are released, you have to mm-hmm. do all those so that you can have a really good yeah yeah. Launch. So I I did book launch. I did things a little backwards when I first started. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to what I went to conferences, but I um, had not. I started networking, but I didn't have my website up. I didn't know much about social media. Um, so I kind of learned the hard way that that's the important things you should are. I should have had my, my website up before I even released my book and started doing the networking and all those things like that, getting reviews before the book was released. Um, so I learned things, you know, the hard way of how to do it. So if anybody out there's a budding author and you want to talk to me about it, send me an email and I will tell you what, learn from me, learn from my experiences. I, 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 there you go. So uh, can you just tell um, the audience uh, what's your email, the email that you can be reached at? Or actually just go to the website and yeah. you find it. What's your website? Can you? It, it's very easy. It's my name. It's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-E-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. Yeah, MarianEdwards.com. Yeah, dot com. And Anne has an E on it. And so there's two, there's the E and the E together with Ann and Edwards. So yeah, you can go to my website. There's a way to, you, you can um, contact me directly. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter. So you can find me all those places and you can get those links from my website as well. But if you want to find me, uh, you can direct message me via uh, Instagram or, well, all of all of the, those places have uh ways that you can direct message me and i will answer you back yes thank you for that and it's it's been a really great interview and it's been great um having you here and um i'll definitely uh, pick up no i mean after all that you said about about growing up around and having all these experts uh you know um advising you uh, for all the different scenes in the book. I really want to get on your book. <laughs> so I want to start. Uh, so start with the first one, yes? Yes, I would start yes, with the start first, with one, first one. And yeah. then continue from there. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mary, uh, Marianne, for, um, uh, for being here. And um, 